0: Welcome to Ministry, i am said it too fast, I need to calm down. Welcome to Ministry Leaders Anonymous, oh, my wasn't name- wasn't excited enough. Okay, hold on. <laughs> Welcome to Ministry Leaders Anonymous, my name is Chris Bartlett. And I'm Dude Two, and we hope to provide a moment of sanity during a busy week of ministry. We've both worked in ministry for a number of years and have seen just about everything.
1: And as damaged as dude one and dude two are, we're ready to dive into and bring light to the hurts, hopes, and hungers that every minister has.
0: Now, on the actual intro, it says dude one and dude two. It doesn't actually say who is who, and so that's why our guest host today, Taylor Schroll, the Forte Catholic, is uh, stepping in and poking a little fun at us. How are you doing today, Taylor?
1: Uh, I'm doing all right. Um, I've been going to bed much later than I usually have, but, uh, two nights ago, I went to bed as late as I possibly could to try to get myself back on a normal schedule. Like I tried to tire myself out so that I could go to bed early last night. It backfired because right when I started going to bed around two o'clock, my two-year-old daughter decided, you know what I want to do? I want to be wide awake for the next three hours. So I was up till 530 with my two-year-old. Like poking me, prodding me, asking me for water every 18 seconds. So it's all good.
0: Yeah. Anytime my kids come into bed with me, it's like they have extra elbows and knees. And I've 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 kicked them out. I pushed one out the other day. It was not it was not well received. Um, <laughs> so nevertheless, we love them to death um, because we have to. And there's grace in that. So uh, today I wanted to kind of dive in. Last uh, last week we talked a little bit about culture. And uh, and there's certain things that drive culture and there's uh, kind of idioms that sometimes drive that culture. You know what I mean? What are some of the different phrases or idioms that you live by as an individual? You know what I mean? Um, always give more than you take. Um, or like the, the, the scouts only leave footprints, only take pictures, whatever it is, you know, or the the, the weird signs that people have above their homes. Live, laugh, love, because. That one's always meant so much to me. Um, (laughs) Check, check, check. No, no,
1: no, no. The reason you don't connect with it is that you only do the first two.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It cuts so deep. It cuts so deep. That's what I want to talk about today, because I think in the Catholic world, um, we have this calling that builds our culture And sometimes the idioms reflect that, and sometimes they don't, these phrases. And so I wanted to go to a a group that I think has some pretty amazing phrases and break down just a couple to get us warmed up. And it's a rugby team, the world's most famous rugby team, the All Blacks. And they have a couple of uh, really cool (laughs) – some of them are a little bit uh, shocking, but really cool things. One of them it says is sweep the sheds. And that's a phrase that everyone on that team – it lives by. And what that means is where you put the equipment away, that there's no one, whether it's the team manager or the person that's been there for 10 years or the brand new guy, no one is above sweeping the sheds and keeping things ordered for the team.
1: Uh, before we go any further, it's very strange to me. You know how like things hit you in waves, right? So first of all, I was like, okay, a, a rugby team, that's who we're basing our, our Catholic podcast off of. Cool. That was the first wave, but it was like, I, you know, I'm, I'm it's like I'm walking into the ocean. It's a very small wave, just hit my toes, fine. And then I was like, wait, there's a team called the All Blacks? Like, that's allowed still? I was very confused. And then the final wave that hit me is that, like, in the background of this team called the All Blacks, It's a white guy. And I'm so confused by all of this. It's just that that final wave just crashed me. And it's like I was uh, uh, Peter drowning outside the boat. Like, help!
0: I don't understand! (laughs) There is something profound in uh, in sports that have their own culture. Uh, But rugby in particular has a really cool culture that's built around it. Um, And I believe that the All Blacks are, are... at least to the rugby players that I've known, um, they're held in high esteem or the highest esteem. And so, for example, after the game, they get together with the other team and they party together. Like one team hosts the other team, and there's just this camaraderie, this brotherhood, this uh, this sportsmanship that exists to where it's like, yeah, we all went to war against each other, but we still have that in common that we were on the all on the battlefield together. So let's celebrate it and let's 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 be friends. Like that type of culture. I wish that some people in the pews had that type of camaraderie with one another. You know what I mean. And so there's there's one that I really love. It's called "Keep a Blue Head," and uh, and what it is is if you get angry or frustrated. And and Taylor, I know that you've been streaming some uh, some video games lately, and <laughs> and it's easy to get frustrated. But but when your adrenaline is so high and you're angry, your focus actually dissipates whereas if you keep a cool head about it keep a blue head instead of a red head you're able to focus and make calculated decisions that'll better the team and better the the, the game that you're in and uh, and I think that that's just a real cool thing to say hey brother keep a keep a blue head keep a blue head and they're able to to move forward with that which one jumped out at you Taylor I sent you a list they have 15 principles that they go by
1: you did number six uh, stuck out to me and uh, we're going to have to edit it because I'm going to keep a blue head about this because I saw Thank this, you. and it, it was very, very interesting. So uh, it's essentially no jerks. Uh, that is not what they say, but I like that one because I think uh, I was actually just talking with somebody. There's, there's somebody that, um, that reached out to me on Instagram earlier, and they were like, hey, do you follow this certain Catholic account? And I was like, no, I never heard of them. And they were like, well, uh, they've been saying things that are just like just riling up hatred and just like they're just being jerks and they're like well how do you deal with those people i was like the reason i have a good time on social media and no one else seems to is that i just unfollow and block all of those people (laughs) so 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 don't be a jerk because then like nobody nobody will want to follow you nobody's going to listen to what you have to say if it's coming from a place of being a jerk
0: yeah and, and the best teammate in the world if you're the best player in the world but you're a jerk then you're not a team player you're just playing for yourself and again the goal is not to win all the time. The goal is to love the game together and I think that's a principle that's that's indicated in all of these pieces you know um, yeah so so no jerks I think that that's wonderful. What about in the Catholic Church? you know what about uh, some idioms that that you've heard in the Catholic Church or that should be heard in the Catholic Church that we might not that we might not know? I actually proposed this to uh, some teens that I know and they came up with some pretty good ones. But they weren't the ones that we're used to hearing. So oh, nice. what are some of the typical idioms or principles that you hear that build Catholic culture today?
1: So, yeah, I have three categories. Some, some very good ones, some ones that are good but corny, and then idioms that when people say they sound like idiots uh, so, so I've got a few of each
0: <laughs> Taylor Schroll, ladies and gentlemen, how about this? You give me one and I try and figure out which, which category you would place it in.
1: Okay. K N O W Jesus K N O W peace. N O Jesus N O peace. No, Jesus, no peace. No, Jesus, no
0: peace. Yes. I would say that that falls for you in the middle category. Cause Correct. it's a little bit cheesy. It is. I think it's, it's, it's profound. In, in regards to what it says, without Jesus, you can't find true peace. And with Jesus, you have true peace. Um, I also think that, uh, that sometimes it simplifies. My grandmother just died, and I'm really struggling. It just doesn't seem fair. Well, no Jesus, no peace. <laughs> no Jesus, no peace. And you're just like, wait, time out. Let's let's hit the pause button. And so it has its place, but it's not universally, universally applicable.
1: Right. Okay. Um, I'm going to pray about it.
0: Golly, would you put that one in the third category?
1: Uh, yes, with a caveat—an obvious caveat. I can't stand when people say it. 99% of the time when people say it. There's like two people in my life that I believe them when they say, "You know what? I'm going to pray about it." When it comes to like making a decision, right? I mean, that's usually the context, right? There yeah, and one pe- of those
0: two people is Alyssa, who's been on the show before. Correct,
1: exactly. Yes, that's you're one hundred percent correct. <laughs> yep. Uh, the other is my mother. <laughs> okay. okay, good. Uh, everyone else that says it, I'm like, you are uh, – one of many things, maybe all of them, avoiding making a decision. Your answer is no, but you don't want it to be awkward right now, so you're hoping that I go away asking you this question. Um, so it's, it's one of those things that it should be a good thing, but I can't stand it.
0: Yeah, and and, and that goes back to we don't want these idioms to be dismissive, Right. If they're going to help build culture, it's like, I'm going to pray about it. And it almost feels like you're pushing away. I'm going to pray about it. And you're pushing the person away. Your concern is getting too close to me. I'm going to distance it through prayer. Yeah.
1: This one has shifted categories for me. I'll pray for you. It's very similar, but different. I'll pray for you. And I don't mean that like uh, just just where I'm coming from it can be used in many ways. I'm not saying it the way that I sarcastically say it. Like not no no sarcasm involved. I'll pray for you.
0: Um, if it's sincere, I think that it actually falls into the first category.
1: Correct. The thing that has changed for me recently is I've I've said it for for many years, not often, but I've said it, you know, when people share serious things with me or whatever. And I'm like, uh, the biggest thing that I used to do is say, I'll, I'll pray for you and then forget about it. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I'm very bad at that. So a lot of my prayer is for anyone who I was t- told that I would pray for them. I'm, I'm giving that to you now, Jesus.
0: <laughs> so I do the catch all as well, because I fear that there's times anyone who's asked for my prayers or, or needs intercession. Um, the one that, that catches me sometimes is for those who have no one to pray for them.
1: I don't like that one.
0: I'm, I'm very logic. You know what I mean? And so doesn't it... Defeat itself once – the second you say it, right? (laughs) doesn't it all of a sudden – well, now they have. So there's no one because anyone that was is now no longer in that category. So maybe for those who had no one to pray for them until now, it just – yeah. Well, Uh, it it
1: only works one time in my logic for those who have no one to pray for them. And then that prayer, whatever you say, works. But then once you've done that, you've covered everyone in the world that never had anyone to pray for them. And now everyone has been prayed for. (laughs)
0: Exactly, exactly. So here's one that goes back to the I'll pray for you one, or um, let me take that to prayer. Thoughts and prayers, right? I'll keep that in my thoughts and prayers. That one to me seems very dismissive. It's not a Catholic culture thing. I think it's actually more that you see uh, celebrities and politicians use that, let's send our thoughts and prayers to this person or to this situation, which is different and I think more dismissive, than my heart goes out to this situation or to this family or something like that. That seems more more relational, less casual, more invested, more sympathetic.
1: The only way that I send my thoughts to people is through a weekly podcast, and that's not helping anybody who just lost a loved one. Uh, I can send prayers, but I'm not sending them to them. I'm sending them to Jesus in, in regards to So the theology, yes, absolutely. <laughs> I'm sending you a prayer, Chris. It's like, wait, did he just start worshiping me? <laughs>
0: Good. What else? What else you got?
1: This one was plastered above my home parish growing up. So every time we like walked in the main door to the church, it said this over it. It said, uh, welcome to hell. No, I'm just kidding. That's not what it said.
0: (laughs) That's just how I read it. Sometimes
1: Uh, it, no, it said um, there are no strangers here. Only friends you haven't met yet.
0: That also sounds like something you'd find on the inside of a yogurt lid. You know what I mean?
1: I haven't had yogurt in 15 years. They've really revamped
0: this whole The whole <laughs> thing. Or, or underneath a Snapple cap. Maybe that's a more relatable. Uh, 20 years since I've had a Snapple. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's an interesting thing because as, as a Catholic culture, is friendship necessary for discipleship?
1: Not for your personal discipleship with everyone in the parish, but it is necessarily necessary to be discipled and to disciple.
0: Friendship is? Yes. Okay. On some level, I see where you're... you're. So I I think that people have gotten to heaven because they've interacted with Jesus as their Savior, as their God, but not necessarily as their friend. I think more people enjoy getting to heaven (laughs) if they also add the friendship piece. Our God is relational, relational. You know, I think that that's a great piece, but I don't think it's absolutely necessary to have friendship with God or, uh, or others. You know, you can still serve someone, and maybe there's even greater love in that. It's easier to serve your friends than it is to, to serve other people.
1: I'm snarling at you. Uh, Christopher, <laughs> well, uh, what is the greatest commandment?
0: <laughs> love the Lord your God.
1: There's a second piece to that, that Jesus
0: fixes. <laughs> Love your neighbor as yourself?
1: Correct. So I, I, maybe we're parsing words here, but I think if you're going to love your neighbor, it would negate what you said about some people got to heaven by only loving God, and they were jerks to everyone else.
0: <laughs> no, I didn't say that. No, it I, interacted with God as Savior and as Lord, right, with Jesus— but not as friend, right? That they didn't necessarily have a friendship relationship with God. They could have had a servant master relationship with God. And there's parables in scripture that back that, that type of a relationship up. And I'm also saying that you have woken up in the middle of the night with one of your children. <laughs> <laughs> and in that moment, it wasn't love or friendship that was driving you, right? It was just, I have to serve this person regardless of how I feel right now. I'm going to serve this person because I'm called to. Right. And, and so I guess maybe that's not true because there's an underlying love. That I was about to say it was a, it was
1: a direct decision to love my wife who was in the other room sleeping. <laughs> right.
0: Yeah, I don't know. OK, so maybe it holds no water. So, yeah, let's let's move on. What about this one, Taylor? Uh, this is an idiom. Time, talent and treasure. I
1: like that one as
0: long as it's not a cop out to only do one.
1: So if you actually are going to give your time, your talent and your treasure, um, I, sometimes it's used as a cop out. where like, I don't have any time and uh, I have all my talent goes to the business world. So I'm only going to give my treasure or people like me who work in ministry is like, I'm going to give my time and my talent. But I, I stupid church, you don't give me enough money. I'm not giving any back to you.
0: <laughs> so, sure, sure, sure. And, and God is asking actually for a, a, a portion of all three. And all three originate in God, right? Yeah, yeah. I struggle with that one because sometimes it's dismissive. They just kind of throw it because they all start with the letter T, and they're like, "That's what stewardship is." Thanks for coming to my 30-second TED talk. Um, But there's there's a depth to it, you know. Like tithing is an act of worship. Tithing is a prayer, and I think that people have lost that that art or that practice, um, it, it's almost like when you read the old Testament and you're like, Whoa, these people knew how to really give. And I'm just, yeah. now I'm electronically giving, I'm just, you know, clicking a button, you know?
1: Yeah. It, yeah. It's like, a, I've never had any treasure.
0: <laughs> so, um, do you have any more that, that are on your list? I don't want to miss any.
1: Um, I don't think so. That that was, that was the, I brought mostly negative ones and I, and I know that you were going to bring some positive
0: ones. (laughs) So I did, I I challenged a couple of teens, um, who are in leadership, what their thoughts were in regards to this. What were some things? And it all came from, this was right after Easter. And, uh, and it's that quote from St. John Paul II, we are an Easter people and alleluia is our song. And in this quarantine, this COVID-19, it doesn't feel like alleluia is our song. It feels like Alleluia. you know what I mean? Like it just, it's so, it's so, so hard, you know? Um, but the church is not just about the liturgy. Our love of God, our relationship with God should not just exist up at the campus and things like that. So our potential to live dynamically as Catholics has not ceased during this time. And yet it doesn't feel like we're an alleluia people right now. There's a lot of there's a lot of hurt, and even on the social media, you see people complaining about, I don't know why the bishops don't do this and why don't they don't do that. There's protests and, and all this tension, but the totality of our spiritual existence does not exist just in gathering for liturgy. It's very important. It's the highest form of prayer. It's beautiful, and I hunger deeply for the Eucharist. However. There's also grace upon grace in domestic churches right now and things like that. And I think that we need to be an Alleluia people during this time. That should be a part of our culture. And that's what makes people attracted to the faith. It's not like, hey, they've had the same rules for like 2,000 years. Man, they're consistent.
1: <laughs> they've been breaking the, all of their rules for 2,000 years. Man, they're consistent.
0: <laughs> <laughs> they're consistent. So... um so, so one that I that I appreciated uh, is Jesus, I trust in you.
1: Oh wait, let me hit the Alleluia thing before you before you uh, you just did your rant and then moved into the next one.
0: <laughs> I apologize. Go ahead.
1: So the uh, the Alleluia thing it's it's been interesting because um, well, first random thought we are an Easter people and Alleluia is our song except for let don't say Alleluia you'll be you'll be cast out <laughs> you know whatever um, yes. it's like wait so Alleluia uh, Allelu Yahweh so it's Allelu praise Yahweh God. So I can't say hallelujah, but I could say praise God. Yes. So my only thing is that I can't say praise God in a language I don't know. Fantastic.
0: <laughs> and, and technically only during the liturgy and right. technically in the liturgy that typically Sunday Mass uh, celebrates the resurrection of the Lord, even in the Lenten season. And so it's, it's hard to set things apart when, um, when Christ's uh, victory over death is bigger than Lent. Yeah.
1: And then, and then secondarily and more seriously, so like one of the only things, my, my prayer life has not been great um, during this whole COVID thing. It's been, it's, my world has changed and everything's changed. And I'm frustrated and I'm tired and I'm angry. Um, the primary way that I've been able to pray uh, during this time is not the way that I normally pray. I, I do not usually listen to like praise and worship music, even though I'm worshiping. I, I just, I've been around it for so long that it's just really hard for me to pray personally with that Um but I've been listening to a lot of Shane and Shane, I don't know if you're familiar with them. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Just tremendous. And what I they have a Psalms album that they did live. So the entire album except for the last song. Like the last song is a is a pretty traditional hymn that, that everybody knows. Just kind of for you know, it's live so they want everybody to sing along, but um the Psalms album uh it's primarily songs of lament, crying out, um God, where are you? And I've been I've been very surprised at how often in those psalms and therefore in these songs yeah. that "Hallelujah" is is included in there. And a lot of times, the way that the, the, my favorite thing about Shane and Shane is like you can f- you can hear how they like the the emotion that they are conveying by how their voice sounds, and it's wild. So like a lot of times they're saying "Hallelujah" and like they purpose I mean they're, they're tremendous singers. Like they purposely have their voice crack as they're uh-huh. saying hallelujah because it's like I'm, I'm i'm broken i have nothing and this is what david is saying in the psalms and it's like but they're saying out like praise god anyway it's a lot like the job story but like i've been able to pray with these songs and pray with the psalms cuz it's how i feel i feel a lot like david in the negative version of the psalms It's like what is happening hallelujah <laughs> i guess
0: yeah <laughs> yeah like like that that draw off at the end hey oh, what's 2 plus 2 in my kids you know like it's a question (laughs) hallelujah am am i sure you know yeah yeah Yeah. so good um jesus i trust in you that's another one that, that that gets thrown around a lot uh this came from from one of the people in that in that gathering i thought it was i thought it was excellent i think that building catholic culture dependence on christ is great uh what are your thoughts
1: yeah um uh, very, very divine mercy of your kids. Good, good for them. Um, also, I'm glad that these are good because of how I set up this episode of Good, Bad, or Weird. I was, I, I know some of your kids. I was very terrified that I was going to be like that. Opinion sucks. <laughs> yeah,
0: you've been to our youth program a couple of times. It's, yeah, you <laughs> have to face
1: your kid. But no, no, that's good. Like, like, um, it's the prayer of Saint Faustina in in Divine Mercy. Um. And uh, like a lot of times, like what I do not often find myself saying, Jesus, I trust in you in times that that is easy. It's, it's the same situation as like like me praying in the Psalms. It's like, uh, Jesus, I trust in you, I guess, you know, like I got, I got nothing else to say. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. Here's one that I thought was amazing is, uh, embrace the suck, which is, uh, actually kind of a military term to be like, get ready for, for the difficulty. And someone took it to the next level, embrace the sacrifice, welcome the suffering, Almost like a redemptive suffering thing.
1: Yeah, I like the wording of that one much better. Um, yes, and yeah, no, I think it's. I mean, the craziest thing about me being a Catholic is that Catholicism revolves around and is and is built up through suffering. And the thing that I am worst at in life is suffering <laughs> is that the truth oh
0: I don't like being uncomfortable for two seconds you know yeah um and and the thing is is there's another idiom that that, that comes around quite a bit and it's offer it up and I think this is such a better way to say it yeah. than offer it up because offer it offered up, up feels it, it feels very dismissive and kind of like and whereas this one is like embrace the sacrifice welcome the suffering like it acknowledge the opportunity as opposed to suck it up and offer it up feel like the same thing one's just more Catholic
1: yeah and and like and to me it it dismiss it's dismissive to the person but it also dismisses like Yes. Are we supposed to unite our sacrifices with Jesus? Yes. But it also—that's neg- that's the one way from earth to heaven. It negates the other half of Jesus coming down into the midst of our suffering and being there with us. And th- right. therefore, it's not dismissive. It's like you are, you are uniting your sacrifice to Jesus because Jesus is coming down and, and he's with you in the midst of your suffering, too. So.
0: Yeah, that, that code journey meant. Um, here's one that I thought, and I think that this is a beautiful uh, one when you're reflecting on on prayer or how am I going to approach a, a time of reflection. Unveiling goodness and beauty. Like, what if our life as Catholics was simply to unveil goodness and beauty to the world?
1: Yeah. No, it's, it's good. And I like the—because, um, I mean, those are two of the three transcendentals. Um, so, like we were talking about earlier, you know, truth, beauty, and goodness, and that's yep. that's who God is. That's who we're supposed to be revealing about God. So, I think I would add the truth piece. But the thing that I like about how they they quoted beauty and goodness is that I think so often people only see the truth of the Catholic Church. Either positively and and accept it, or they see the truths of the church and they're like, no, nah, I'm out. That sucks. It's just the rules. It's just the this other stuff. Um, so I, I think it's. I mean, we talked about balance among three things earlier, and I think it's the same thing. We can't have the truth without beauty and goodness, but we can't have beauty and goodness without the truth. And you know, like all of those connections within those three.
0: I love how it has an implied process of discovery in it. The whole verbiage of unveiling. You've met those Catholics who know everything. Or who think they know everything.
1: Every time I look in the mirror.
0: And it's so hard to journey with those Catholics. um, Those Catholic. (laughs) Let's not divide people, but let's start talking with words like those Catholics. Sometimes it's hard to journey. (laughs) Yeah, those those people, the others. Um, I'm a monster, but it's it's hard to journey with with uh, people who who feel like they hold they they they're know it alls, as opposed to people who are like, let's discover something together. Let's unveil. The truth. Let's unveil beauty and goodness. Let's journey and experience this adventure of of journeying together, and that and that's beautiful. And I feel like Christ modeled that on the road to Emmaus. Like he unveiled truth, beauty, and goodness to uh, to them on that road to Emmaus, and it led to action. So
1: yeah, and I think what, what's interesting about uh jesus on Emmaus and the 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 example that I was thinking of, which is funny that I'm about to compare these two things, and I understand that, but Jesus uh, on the road to the, on the road to Emmaus, he was on a journey with those two men to unveil truth, beauty, and goodness with them, and they were discovering it together, even though he had already discovered it. You know, Absolutely. like you know what I mean. Yeah. And uh, uh, like as you were talking, even before Emmaus, which I think this is why it's funny is like I- I've been sharing a lot of things from my childhood with my son. You know, I- I've um, have been playing Pokemon with my son, uh, and like we played the original game from 25 years ago that was remade, and it's like I know this game back and forwards. You know, and. Yeah like he was getting excited about these new things. And I was like, Oh yeah, this is super exciting. It's like, I found this Pokemon in the secret spot 25 years ago, but you know, like yeah. I was able to just like Jesus was in the walk to the mayor. like, I was able to do that with, with my son with something very different. So I think that's something else to keep in mind. It's like, I think a lot of times, especially people who are new Catholics or new in ministry, which obviously we're you know talking to ministry leaders. It's like, you know, Hey, I know things and I want, I'm going to, I'm going to teach you them, you know? And like, that is true I mean I, I would hope that's true especially leaders, we should know more than the average person but being able to walk with people even if you know all these things and be like let's reveal these things and unveil these things at the pace that's good for you not what's going to make
0: me look smarter than you, you know? so. exactly yeah yeah so okay we've got two more left and I'm very interested to hear your thoughts on this next one so um, a, a welcoming place good very good next uh, no <laughs> I absolutely love it uh, because it puts hospitality before, and especially for teens, um, uh, there's a an underlying current that sometimes exists that the church is very judgmental, and and she is not. She is open arms all the time, and it's it's what is it the uh, it's a hospital for sinners, not a museum for saints, right? Type of thing, and I think that a welcoming place says that in a way that that poses our hearts to be like, I need to smile at people. I need to scoot in when someone's trying to get into my pew. I need to give eye contact to people and welcome them and love them where they're at and then journey with them to where God calls them to be. But that disposition of hospitality and welcoming is something I see time and time again in in speaking in general terms of uh, our Protestant brothers and sisters beating us on, like really modeling it better than... and we. We should we should and could do better, yeah. And that that's a simple idiom for that that reality.
1: Yeah, and I think what's well, funny is like we're talking about you know being welcoming, and it, I think of like great things like Catholics Come Home. Like there was a I forget I think it was two Super Bowls ago. You know Catholics Come Home made a four million dollar commercial to, that was shown to hundred million people. You know, like, right? Um, and like how cool that is, but how it doesn't work if somebody watches the Super Bowl or wherever they see this, right? Uh, in this instance, they watch the Super Bowl, they're like, you know what, I am going to go to church next Sunday because it's, you know, 9 o'clock on Sunday night. I can't go now. But I'm going to go to church next Sunday. And then they come, and it's not a home. <laughs> it doesn't work. You know, like, if it's not a welcoming place of yeah. a family, of friends, and, and, and these sorts of things, um, then they'll be like, well, uh, uh, going back to my home, <laughs> you know, so, and not coming back. So, I, yeah, be, being welcoming is um, – yeah, I think so, so often we try to we try to just do other
0: things first other than, hey, you're welcome here. Where are you at? Where are you want to go? That sort of thing. Well, and it'll be interesting when this covid uh, pandemic ends and we start to get back together to celebrate together, because you mentioned the Super Bowl. I think about even at a high school football game, like the way that we celebrate with those those uh, youth in the stands versus how we celebrate the Lord. At, at the liturgy, there is, unfortunately, more engagement and more uh, camaraderie that exists among these strangers that just happen to live in the same uh, school district, right, rooting on these high school students, uh, versus these people who literally would be baptized, married, and, and, and buried in the same way through the same rites their whole life. Um, and so there, there needs to be something in regards to hospitality and community so that when we celebrate, it can feel like, the guy getting off of his couch to cheer for his team. Um, th- there, there needs to be that type of energy and that connection. So.
1: Well, to be fair to people who celebrate differently at high school football games and mass, one time I tried to celebrate at mass like I do high school football games, and I was escorted out. So, I mean, we've got to find a balance somewhere.
0: <laughs> yeah. The YouTube video has still got, at 200,000 hits on it, right?
1: <laughs> I wish.
0: <laughs> so here is... Here's the last one. It is my personal favorite that came out of that conversation. Um, Every day a mission, everyone a missionary.
1: That sounds like a song. We should write it. You ready? Go. (laughs) Every day a mission, and everyone a missionary. (laughs) Wait. uh, uh, It's funny because you almost did it. I I realized when I started doing it, um, I was singing, Say goodbye to Hollywood. Sing about my baby, and you almost did the second line. Like you were only two notes off, and that was the most impressive thing we've ever done together,
0: <laughs> ever in the history of us. Um, but I, I, I love it. It it it, it speaks to because I think sometimes the acts acts of discipleship are seen as something that's reserved for Roman callers or or, or adorable nuns that are helping the the homeless and the hurting um, of the world. And yet every day a mission means that when I wake up today, the Lord has a plan for my life. And he wants to engage in whatever I'm doing, whether it's uh, good, bad, or ugly, whether I'm looking forward to it or not, like he is present to me. And if we can communicate that in the Catholic culture that exists as ministry leaders, if we can communicate that across, then all of a sudden Sundays matter on Mondays, but they don't matter more than Mondays because God's presence is just as real. And that's a beautiful thing.
1: You're a beautiful thing. Every day. I just objectified you and complimented you. <laughs>
0: so, closing thoughts, Taylor.
1: I have one more. Are you ready for yes. this? Yes. Yes. Um, and I, I, I uh, people in prayer saying, "Come, Holy Spirit."
0: At the beginning of prayer, middle prayer, end of prayer, or anywhere in prayer. Uh, most people do it literally every time they can't think of what they're going to say next. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. And, and I've seen this too, to where if it's used as a filler word, just say, go ahead. I, that's my favorite filler word. <laughs>
1: I was so proud of you because you haven't said it this whole episode until just now.
0: <laughs> right. But I used it as an example. Last week in the episode, I literally said, one of the people will go ahead. <laughs> right. And I used it in the proper context. And I was so proud. I was, I was so like, I hope Taylor you. caught that. I yeah, did. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so all things aside, uh, invoking the Holy Spirit, I think that that's a prayer. I don't think that it falls into an idiom type of category. Um, so thanks. You're welcome. But you, well, th- th- you also said, Jesus, I
1: trust in you. That's a prayer. and We said it was an idiom. So he- he- here's, here's my thing on it. Uh, uh, many people that are taught to do it think that it is now a requirement for every prayer, which it is not.
0: <laughs> I do believe that the church would benefit if we were a more spirit-filled people. Um, and so I am going to still give it a, a two thumbs up. All right.
1: I will give it one thumb up and one thumb sideways for the one person
0: in particular that prays this way that drives me crazy. Okay. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Well, okay, so if you guys don't know, Taylor actually has uh, an amazing show. Um, it's the Forte Catholic uh, podcast. It's hilarious. It's, uh, it, 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 it's definitely uh, a more casual of thing it's it's a lot of fun and he yells a lot and so taylor how can people find you encounter you um and uh and laugh with you more
1: well you can't encounter me until about the year 2021 because we're all going to be stuck inside uh but you can find the show and everything that i do forte catholic f-o-r-t-e catholic.com and wherever you listen to podcasts and now on the youtube where i wish i was getting two hundred thousand
0: (laughs) hits it's it's the dream it's the dream so um Great. Well, Taylor, thank you so much for joining us today. Amazing co-host. Great job. And uh, thank you guys for joining us. Let's continue the conversation online.
1: Uh, I need to pull up dude, too. Hold on. Hold on. Um, as damaged as we are, we're ready to dive in and bring light to the Hertz, hopes, and Huggers. <laughs> Please send any feedback you have to MLA at ablaze.us and share the podcast with someone.
0: Here at Ministry Leaders Anonymous. We believe that if you want to go quickly, go alone.
1: And I've edited this podcast enough to know that this next person is dude too, but it just says dude uh, with no colon like the rest of them. Uh, Dude with no colon. That's not something I thought I'd say today. If you want to go far, go together.
0: Take some time this week to pray for other ministry leaders. Dude, we will see you next week on Ministry Leaders Anonymous. Dude, God bless.
1: After show, what question do we want the audience to be asking, answering related to this topic?
0: So think about it. What is the idiom that you live your life by, ministry leaders? What is something that you, in your ministry or your Catholic frame of mind or worldview, do you live your life by? We'd love to hear it. Put it on uh, ministry leaders online, our Facebook group. It's a closed group. Just join us and uh, and share it. We'd love to hear it. Why is this question after we've signed off? You were continuing to ask. I figured. I- I'm just following the script. <laughs> we have an an amazing, an amazing editor. He can work that in anywhere. Okay, bye. I love you, man. Take (laughs) care. (laughs)